The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. <sighs> Hello, everybody. I'm I'm going to try to be less salty about this TCU loss today, but no promises. I don't I don't know for sure if I've gotten all of the salt out of my system. I may need to flush with some more liquids. I'm not quite quite sure what to do. Hydrate, I guess. Um, maybe go for a jog. <laughs> Unsure. How how are you holding up, man? It's <laughs> all right. Let me right tell there. you what that what that big sigh was for. Because I Saturday night I was I was down. I was like, man, this sucks. Like we suck. We're winning one more game and it's this weekend against Kansas, only because there's they're terrible. But maybe maybe that's not even a thing. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, okay, so you lost by 21, which is three scores, right? Like there's there's no debating math here and I was and I just kept thinking like like I I I totally understand the hopeless and helpless feeling we all had watching TCU run for 400 yards and nine yards to carry like I get that like you're going to lose every game that you do that in yes but <laughs> I also found this is this is terrible I don't know where this optimism is coming from besides just set up for disaster. I was like, well, that pick six that you threw, it's a 14 point swing. Granted, I know I'm giving Texas tech the points in that drive already. And they were, had just started, but stay with me. Had they gone down and scored and TCU not had scored. That's a 14 point swing in a 21 point game. As terrible as you felt about giving up 400 rushing yards had you lost by seven this weekend instead of 21, would you feel as bad today as we, as we would have, we lost by 21. If they, I don't know. hundred yards, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So th- th- that's the point. Like you, you still feel pretty terrible about that anyway. So that's, that's where I'm at. I don't time heals wounds, right? Michael, isn't that what I said yes. after the Texas loss? And we were like, let's move on. I'm I'm getting there. And this is this is just this is this is how Texas Tech fans cope and survive. <laughs> As we like, well, actually giving up four hundred rushing yards and losing by twenty one points really wasn't as bad as it sounded like two days ago. That's where I'm at. That, that's well, me. I, and we'll talk a little more about that. I've got some fuel to that fire and Ooh. I've also got a couple of huge wet blankets. Man, so that I'm that I'll bring out later. <laughs> Again, like I, I understand and fully feel both sides of this argument and I don't know what to do with it. 
Like I, I know that you give up 400 yards on the ground and nine yards per carry. You're losing the, that game. You give up 300 yards on the ground and nine yards per carry. You're losing that game. But I'm also like, eh, it wasn't as far off as it may have seemed. Anyways, we'll talk about that in a second. As we wrap up the final, get to our final thoughts from the TCU game. Um, then of course there will be some preview of Kansas, but let's be honest, like you're going to kick their ass and it's going to be, it's going to be that. And if you don't, then that's a different conversation, but yeah. playing Kansas these days is like playing an FCS opponent in that if you win, there's no victory there. Like you just did what you were supposed to do. If you destroy them, huh? You were kind of supposed to, but if you play a close game or if you lose, then the world's coming down. So we'll talk about our Kansas preview. Um, I mean, I, I, I did this statistical comparison like I do to every opponent. It'll be in the notes. You can go, go check it out. Kansas is Oh, three and one against the spread. Texas tech is a 17 point favorite, which means they're like, yes, they're picked to, to play within 17 points. They've not covered once. They pushed once on a 27 point line. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we'll look across the rest of the big 12, get to your questions and what we learned. Obviously between now and the games during the games, after the games, you can follow us, keep up with us on Twitter, 23 personnel podcast or at 23 personnel. Follow me. Spencer at punt suck. Michael at Michael underscore LBK you can hear us on Rob Rose college. Tell you, I will be back this weekend. The return. We've missed you. The return. It sounded great, though. You guys, you guys have a flow. I'm, yeah, I think I'm we got a little sidetracked, though. You're going to help us. You're going to help us stay well, on board because I think <laughs> I, I forgot what we talked about last week, but I know there was a pretty good segment on the office that I didn't really mean to go down, but we did. So yeah. that we're on. Yeah, we're on live radio talking the office for like five minutes. That's fine. During a college football. That, and that, that was all me. Sorry, Rob. I'm sure it was me. But if you want to tune in locally here in Lubbock, that's talk 103.9 FM. A little bit further out, 1340 AM, or even just a little bit further out, 960 AM in San Angelo. Or anywhere online, kkam.com. You can listen to the Rob Rowe College Delegate Show, Saturday morning, 10 to noon. Me, Spencer, he, him, Michael. I just gave you pronouns. I'm so sorry. That's cool. I'm just assuming you got him right. You guessed right. Okay, good. And then potentially Kyle, I know that he's been in the middle of a move. He may be settling down or maybe trying to unpack and everything. Who knows? Um, he's got the invite maybe there, you know, where, where else you can find us though, Michael post game Spotify green room. We do post game instant reaction shows every week, 30 minutes at most. <laughs> after the game. Usually if it's a blowout, we're, we're ready to hit record uh, as the clock hits <laughs> zeros. But if you haven't yet already, if you're just tuning in, you're just finding us, you you skip through the ads. Hold on just a second. It's the live audio only sports talk platform free to download and to use for you guys. Talk to us, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time, a bunch of other podcasts are doing it. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. You can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. 
Join in conversation with me and Michael. Have a chance to be featured on the 23 Personal Podcast. We'll be hosting rooms, like I said, about 30 minutes after the end of the game. Come through and talk with us. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Spencer Rogers and follow Michael at Michael McDonald. You notified when our room goes live. We'll be going live, like I said, 30 minutes after the game. Come with your... There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Spiciest of takes. So, with that, Michael. Yes. Let's talk some football. Oh, I can't wait, man. They go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. Touchdown. With Tom. Robert Johnson, touchdown, Red Raider. Take a shot to the end zone. It's a touchdown, Reginald Davis. All day to throw. Over the top, Jakeem Grant. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Second down now. Deep strike. Got the big man. I said we get to it. We're going to get to our uh, TCU wrap. 52-31. Michael, help me figure this out, man. I'm ready. Because you you lose by three touchdowns. I've already said that pick six, 14-point swing, could be a one-point game. Also, because you weren't stopping anything on the ground, might not have mattered if it was just a one like a one-score game. Um, I can, I can add to this. I can add to this theory. All right, let's hear it to make us feel a little bit better. There is no way. There is no way that the ball did not hit the ground on TCU's first touchdown. No, that dude, was a that, third and goal. That ball skipped in. That was absolutely an incomplete pass. That is 
unbelievably bad officiating. Uh, we didn't mention that on the instant reaction because when you lose 52 to 31, it's kind of hard to point out that sort of thing and feel like it would have mattered. But if we're going to go back and kind of <laughs> we're try to revisionist history here. <laughs> yeah. Build, build us up buttercup a little bit. That was a real obvious turning point. That was TCU's first touchdown of the game. Mm-hmm. That was on a third and goal. So, I mean, after they just got gashed by Evans on the opening drive, uh, Duggan throws a, you know, a little pass out to the pylon basically. And I forget what receiver it was. Um, but it, there is no way that thing did not hit the ground before he caught it, but somehow there wasn't enough evidence because I don't know why, but there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. So touchdown, the ruling, um, stood TCU goes up seven zero. So, you know, even to go that far back, you might be looking at a different game had TCU gone up 3-0 instead. You also might be looking at a different game, and I don't want to harp on this because it, I am not harping on it. Um, you know, Thompson just tripped himself up on, a, on the first third down of the game on mm-hmm. offense. They may have been able to continue that drive. Um, and, you know, you, you might be looking at a 7-3 tech lead after that drive. So I, but man, I can't get past it. I cannot get past this defense. My friend, I I went back and rewatched some of it. I'm kind of, I didn't want to, but I did. I watched a little bit and mostly just kind of some of the big plays. Our guys got worked over. They just absolutely got worked over. You know, Wells talked to something about, you know, we missed some tackles and <laughs> some, the sad, the sad thing is they didn't miss as many tackles as they thought because there was no one around. There they wasn't were just even chasing anyone them. to tackle them. Yes. They were not in position. And that was because TCU did a phenomenal job completely blocking our guys, pancaking them completely away from the play. A credit to Evans. And I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the second string running backs name. Miller. Miller. I shouldn't because he ran for 145 yards on us or whatever it was. But, 185. Uh, oh. It was Mil- it was Evans that went for, ran for 140. <laughs> I knew the 145. <laughs> you just got it okay. flipped. Ugh. Just, just that hurts even more. Uh, they made some good reads. You know, they made some guys miss. But usually it was like one guy that missed and then the race was on. Because like I, I swear receivers were blocking linebackers effectively away from the running play. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we went on to that a little bit. There was, they had, they didn't have enough people in the box as we probably would have liked, but even the plays I watched, there were three down linemen, two run, uh, two linebackers back behind them. So they had five guys in the box and they were just getting manhandled and I couldn't believe it. And, and I, I'd credit to TCU for being able to do that, but Tech defense, the front seven, the supposedly most healthiest position group on the team, guys. Y'all just got completely dominated by this TCU offense. It was a, a lot of these plays I watched, it was just so blatant. Guys were just completely moved out of the way from the play. They were thrown on the ground. They were, and it wasn't holding, it wasn't anything no. malicious. Mm-hmm. It was just straight up uh, muscle and talent overwhelming 
our players. And that was something I don't think any of us expected to see. Yeah. I mean, and just, I guess, to to reemphasize or restate my point about the three-man front, I don't think that's the problem. Um, not adjusting and bringing more guys down into the box is a problem. If you're getting whipped by a team that has no intention or no interest in throwing the ball, quit dropping six, seven guys into coverage. Yeah. You need it. You obviously sub need out, some help up there. <laughs> sub out that nickel back and put in another linebacker, P- play a true three, four, like put in Josiah, uh, Pierre and Merriweather and Schooler and Jeffers on the field at the same time. Run with, uh, Devin drew and, and Banasaur and like beef up your, 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 your lineman. Like, I, I don't know, man, you, you could have done a, a lot of things in game. Be like we got to try something. Um, to, to stave off nine yards per carry. Um, because again, one, like I know there are a lot of people with really solid points that say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised or I wouldn't be upset if Keith Patterson was fired before, or, you know, Monday, so this would have been yesterday or Sunday. Um, you've got guys on, on your staff that have been defensive coordinators before and Kevin Cosgrove, he's been a power five defensive coordinator. Like you've got the people on staff. You can, kind of patchwork something together. If you were to lose your defensive coordinator, it didn't happen. But like what's happening in like one, you're not going to change scheme in the middle of the season. You're not going to all of a sudden, no, we're going to run a four, three now, even if you had changed defensive coordinator. But what you do is you, you kind of, you know, you figure out like, okay, what, what combination of guys do we put out there now? Like the rest of the conference I mean, Oklahoma can probably do it to you however they want to. The rest of the conference is looking at that and be like Kansas State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor even. They're like, we have to throw it 10 times a game? <laughs> sure. I think I think our quarterback is good enough to have 10 plays on his shoulders. The 80%. Rest is, the rest is Max offensive Duggan line. was 80% on that, on those 10 plays. So the scheme, I don't think is a problem that's saying that though. I understand like if you're just putting in more light bodied guys against 350 pound offensive linemen, it may not, it will not make that much of a difference if they're not beating their one-on-ones, right? So like if you put in a, a fourth linebacker against an offensive guard, that may not change the outcome, but it's something I, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, and speaking to, you, you know, speaking to f- the possibility of firing a defensive coordinator halfway through the season, that has happened at Tech uh, a, a few times in the last, you know, 15 years. So I can that's think not, of two, yeah. Th- so that's not the craziest thing. Of course, one of them had nothing to do with on-field performance. Well, I guess it kind of did because they were not very good. But the it was more of a more of what he was doing off thing the with the coaches, yeah, the coach himself. But I, I think where you would have that situation, it would basically be a dead man walking thing because then Wells would truly be a lame duck, and I don't think that would ever happen because this is his third year. After year one, no, after year two, he fired his offensive coordinator. Then halfway through year three, he hired his defensive coordinator or fired his defensive coordinator. So at some point it's like, well, maybe it's you, bud. 
you know, maybe it's you. So I, yeah, I think he's, it, it <laughs> there's didn't no really, way he's going to fire Patterson right now because it's like, well, the two guys I trusted the most to lead this offense and lead this defense, one of them's already gone. And then I just fired the other one. So yeah. So it looks like I've got six more games to coach, hopefully seven. And then we'll, we'll see you see you down the road. Uh, I don't think that's going to be an option here. Yeah. So I, I, again, like when, when people were calling for Wells to be fired uh, in the middle of the season, like that's, that's not going to happen. Like, Nothing is going to change if you were to fire your head coach in the middle of the season. Like what we're seeing now, like, yeah, you can say some of it is coaching, but it's not like we're not seeing the boneheaded decisions that he made last year that you're like, oh, he's got to go. Right. Yet, at least. So, I mean, it may be like the game prep wise and and getting the players ready and, and getting them in the right mindset. Um you can do that without having to fire your coach changing a, a coordinator. I mean, it's a little more feasible, but still like you're not going to change scheme in the middle of the year. You've built this roster a certain way for Keith Patterson's defense. You're not going to fire him halfway through and be like, now we're going to change everything. You're, you're stuck with this system the way it's currently built at least until you can start recruiting to replace it. That's, it's a long, long-term project anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had, I had one other thing kind yeah. of in that same vein. I'd seen a couple of people and I don't know if it's out of exasperation or what. So I'm going to try to be calm about this, but I've seen a couple of people like, well, you might as well just let Donovan Smith play the rest of the year. And as much as I like Donovan Smith, I would buy stock in Smith if I could. There, Columbia has shown us no reason. Not, you mentioned it on the in, instant reaction. I think he got kind of a little bit rattled with a hit last week. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit off on some throws. But there is no reason to take him out for Smith, who is yet to Attempt pass the ball. Pass, yeah. In, in Big 12 play. Or just in college. Uh, in college, period. That's not a knock on him. That's obviously not what he's been asked to do yet. And I don't know what people's thoughts are there. Do they think this is the NFL and if we just tank, we get a draft pick or Mm -hmm. something? I I don't understand the thought process there. Do do they want Tech to only win four games and that's that? Uh, It doesn't help. You want Tech to win every single game, whether you want Wells fired or not. You still want Tech to win. And, uh, you know, the people calling for that type of stuff is basically just kind of thrown in the towel and just might as well see what happens. But Columbia has shown me plenty for him to keep the starting job. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this person, this, this mindset of, well, we might as well, well, I don't know. Season's over. Let's just get the third stringer in, see what he can do. I'm like why? So that we can draft a five star from, you know, South Lake Carroll next year. That's not how it works. <laughs> It's not, we're not going to get that. We don't, we don't get to go to the, to, to the draft and be like, Oh, well, yeah, you know, well, let's just go ahead and suck like the Mavericks did a few years ago and try to get Luca or something. And, and let's just, mm-hmm. let's just do these things and just, all right, whatever, throw in the towel. One, you only have 12 games. You don't have 82. Anyway, that was my only well, that, other little, I mean, that. I, I could kind of understand even doing that, but, for if me, Columbia was being terrible, maybe but he's not. 
but he's he's really doing. He's not the reason Tech is losing no, games. No, he's not. And the only scenario where I, I could see that is if Texas Tech had lost their seventh game. If there was no way that you were going to be bowl eligible, maybe you then start saying, "Let's play some of the younger." But even then, you're you're. I mean, you're burning red shirts for nothing. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. You've you've got to weigh it all. You know. I mean. I guess you can burn red shirts. What they can play two games. They can play four. They can play four. Okay. So you may not burn all of them, but you know, if but you're Donovan's seven, already played, I mean, I, 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 I don't is, think he's eligible for a red shirt. Yeah. I, I no. think he's going anyways. Um, I'm not sure what inspired me to look this up. Texas tech is four and six in games in the first weekend of October. All right. I'm not sure the sad part of that <laughs> well, though, Michael, this is going back to 2010. Three of those four wins were against Kansas. Oh, okay. The well, only that does, that does deflate that stat a little bit. The only win was 2019 uh, against Oklahoma State, which at that time you would have felt really good about a program, not not program, but like Matt Wells' coaching era defining win. You're like, Oh my gosh, we, we, we took care of business, a, a legitimate big 12 team at home. Uh, it was a fun game to be in. You did, you took care of business. It was exciting. Like this is, I want more of this. The other three games in 10 years, or actually 12 years, two of those years you were on a bye week Um, but four of six, three of those wins were against Kansas. Again, I'm not sure what, 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 what made me look up, Texas Tech's record in the first week of October, maybe to make you feel better. Like you're kind of doomed anyways. Um, maybe, maybe for the last decade, you've just kind of had this melancholy feeling the first week in October. And now you're just figuring out why maybe that was it. You're just trying to trace back. I mean, I just kind of always kind of feel down. Just always kind of feel down the first weekend in October. Yeah, I should be. I should. Be, I should be. It's my favorite time of the year. Because it's, yeah, I know we both love fall and it's the weather's great and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the only team tech can beat in October the first weekend is, is apparently Kansas. Yeah. So going back to the Columbia and, and the offense really quickly uh, against TCU, 558 yards, 7.2 yards per play. This goes back to us saying that TCU defense was not really good. You ran for 214 yards at almost six yards per carry. Considering that your longest run was only 24 yards. You didn't have big long runs that inflated that, that total or the yards per carry average. Um, and then you had a bunch of like really short runs. You're like you, you were consistent all night, five, six yards a pop. You three, for f- almost 350 yards, 15 yards per catch. Now the completion percentage was, was really low. I think it was 55% or something. You had um, yeah, it was. 18 incompletions and the, the box score had that as 18 drops. I don't think it was 18 drops. You had 18 incompletions. The other thing I noticed after the game, it, I noticed this today. I was like, I'm not even sure if Travis Koontz played. I did see a I, lot I, of, of... I remember seeing him out there. I, I saw Tharp and I saw Teeter. Yeah, I, he was out there. You know what was weird? After you mentioned that to me, I went and looked at the box score on texastech.com and Koontz is listed as a receiver, but it's all zeros. So I wonder if, if he um, got in the game 
as a receiver, like had some snaps at receiver, but didn't get it targeted and obviously didn't get a catch. I don't know. I, I just, for some reason, had that thought. Um, defense, I don't know what else there is to say. Um, Michael, you, you, you rewatch the game. Or at least a little some bit. of the bigger plays, the highlights yeah. for TCU. And yes. you said it's worse than you thought. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say earlier. It was, it was, okay. I thought, well, even when they, uh, you know, when they did have five in the box, they just all completely got taken away from the play and, or a safety would come from the opposite side of the field and just pursue completely terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, or someone would get in the backfield get behind the line of scrimmage and Evans would just make a great cut or something. And one of those goal line touchdowns, uh, I don't, I forget who number 11 is, but he was, he was behind the line of scrimmage. Evans ran right past him because instead of going through the gap where 11 came from, Evans went behind his lineman and his lineman pushed their way and he walked into the end zone. I mean, so there was stuff like that where the yeah. run, running backs give them credit. They were making some good reads that instead of, okay, well, I'm not going to go through this gap because obviously the, the defender has thought of the same thing. I'm just going to follow these, you know, my center and my guard and get to the end zone that way. Yeah. And the, the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about that, um, yes, Evans and Miller are good running backs. It's it's different than what you saw versus B. B. John Robinson, where he made people look absolutely silly. Like he got people out of position, and you saw the the diving at feet. That is a talent discrepancy. That that is him making people look bad because he is that much better. What you saw on Saturday, yes, there were some plays like that. Most of it was TCU pushed you around, and some of it was like you did it to yourself. Um, I, I I went back. I watched the part of the game and I saw the, it was after TC recovered the onside kick and they scored on their very first play. Mm-hmm. They're lined up uh, from what I remember, the strength of the formation power is on the right side of the field. You know where yes. the, you remember where the strength of the defense was on the left side. You know what happened? The entire offensive line basically pivoted. It was like a swinging gate. They just pushed everybody back towards the Texas tech line, this sideline. And Miller's like, Oh look, there's nobody here. And just like untouched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then had a little foot race at the end. Yeah. Had so some guys escort him to the end zone. Basically <laughs> our own guys escort in the end zone. It was, yeah. And it, it just it probably had to be just from the, the angle, but like, it felt like there were so many plays where our guys were just running with them. It's like, Yes, you, you 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 tackle him. You go towards him. I know, you get closer. Right. I know it had to be the angle because I felt the same way so many times. Like, why don't just just bring him down, man? Just, just reach out and touch him, right man. There, obviously. <laughs> yeah. All right. Me so, from my couch, I know, I know where you are. You're obviously right next to him, and you just won't just you just won't tackle him. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, and they they didn't look like they were like yes they were outrunning the defenders. I get that. They didn't look like they were just blowing past everybody. Um, they, they would just, they were schematically their offensive line, their blocking scheme was doing such a great job of creating space for the, the, the running backs. They didn't have much work to do except run. 
reviewing back to our score prediction, Texas Tech was a point and a half dog over under 62 and a half. TCU nearly covered that themselves. FPI had a 55% chance for Tech winning this game. Other statistical measures basically have this as a toss up. I mean, all that all that is saying toss up. I predicted a 31 24 victory. Michael said 35 27. Uh, again, like all of those pieces I just said, the, the one and a half point favorite for TCU, the 55% chance of winning this game, the 21 point swing, if or you know, however you want to consider all of that stuff we talked about at the beginning of the wrap up for TCU. I, I'm not saying it wasn't bad. It was terrible. And I, I'm, we're going to get to our, our preseason check-in here. Cause we, we've, uh, we've hit the midway point in the season. We've got six games in. We're at the exact record we predicted going into the season mm-hmm. four and two uh, happened a little bit differently. We, we both said tech would lose to, to Houston and Texas. Um, but right now, it feels so different from the beginning of the year. And I, I think it's because of the way that you've lost these two games. Um, so one, I'm, I'm going to ask you, Michael, but I, I'm going to answer first. I, was gonna, I want your thoughts on has your perspective changed for the rest of the season? Has your predictions changed? How do you think the rest of the season will go? And I'm, I'm going to adjust down. I said eight wins. If your defense is playing like it did now twice in three weeks, you're winning one more game this year. We've seen your defense play better though, which is the frustrating thing. Letty Brown could have done the exact same thing that Evans and Miller did. And B. John Robinson, I'm I'm not, maybe not B. John Robinson, but he could have had himself a day too. And whether it was Neil Brown or whether it was your defense, you that that just didn't happen. Um, you you look at Houston every week. You're like that win looks better and better every week because Houston is just again against kind of inferior opponent. They're they outclass their their conference. They are destroying people. Yeah, I mean, you you can you, you're right. You can bring in the oh well, it's the AAC or whatever, but they're not winning by three. They're winning by three touchdowns. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm skewing down from eight to six. And I know this is where a lot of people were going into the season. You're you know it was over under. I think it was at five and a half or maybe it was six and a half games. Right now. I'm going to say you win two more games. One of them is going to be this weekend versus Kansas. And if it's not this weekend, you're not winning another game. So I'm going to say six wins. Michael has your outlook changed on the season over the past three weeks. It has a little bit. This is the, the main reason I wanted to talk about this was to kind of talk myself back into some sort of positivity because I haven't felt this bad after a loss in a while. On Saturday, I can't really explain it. Um, it just felt like a complete domination by a team that had lost two in a row um, and had never played an away game until coming to Lubbock. Uh, this was their first 
away game of the season. So, I mean, there were just so many things going on there that made this loss feel worse than it did. So going back, I thought, well, how did, you know, where did I think tech would be at this point in August when we were just kind of spitballing and I thought they'd be four and two. And so that's kind of where I'm trying to work myself back in. I did have tech going seven and five instead of eight and four, like you did. Um, I'm probably cutting that back to six and six as well. Uh, I had tech going on to beat Kansas, Kansas state and Baylor. And now I don't know if they can beat Kansas state or Baylor, but I feel like they'll get one of them or if they are lucky, they'll get, I mean, Iowa state on a bad day. Uh, cause Iowa state has definitely shown some vulnerability, but Baylor has looked really good. I'm still not quite sure who they are yet. They didn't look good against Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state. Of course they haven't lost yet. So they're looking pretty good despite some early hiccups against some non-con op- uh, opponents. Kansas state's been bit with the injury bug, just like tech. They always play tech well. So, um, OU, despite their, you know, kind of slow start to games and they, I mean, just really kicked the Longhorns into the teeth this weekend. I, you they know, you overcame it. They overcame a three, a 21 point law or a deficit. A couple times. A couple Wasn't of, it more than once? I know it was 28 to seven at one point. And, and one of it, like there was an, they, they were down 18 points with just a couple of minutes left in the third quarter. Oh gosh. And, and they scored their last two touchdowns on the exact same play. I was like, they're going to run that against tech and they're going to run for like 80 yards a piece. I can see it. Yeah. So I was, um, he, you know, up until that game, I was kind of like, I didn't think tech would, would beat OU, but they looked beatable. You know, they, they, they looked beatable and then they did what they did to Texas. And you kind of think, oh, that might be the thing. That might be the catalyst that they just may run the table the rest of the year. Kind of like we thought they would because it they hadn't lost like yet. It. No, they still haven't lost. <laughs> they I mean, struggled like they, and still won games. It's, it's yeah, mind blowing. They, yeah, they, they haven't lost. So it's not like there's anything to say there, but I do think it does bring me down a little bit. I think tech will take care of Kansas this week, not to spoil our picks coming up, but um, I sure hope you know, so, out, man. out of Kansas state and Baylor, those are the two wins I had. I, I don't, I don't think they can get both of them. I think and, your, your best opportunity is going to come against the Kansas schools. I think you've got something like an 80. What is it? Let's look it up. Well, 88% what, chance corn to FBI to win this game this weekend. And then your next highest percentage is Kansas state the following week. Well, and, and that's kind of goes back on the man. I am so sorry. If, if y'all are listening, it was either Kyle or Alan who, um, who came up with, who, who shared the every other game theory. On that's Kyle. It's Kyle. It was Lang. Kyle. Okay. Yeah. It was Kyle Lang. And so that's, what's got me worried about Kansas state now because he's totally right. <laughs> he's absolutely right. That tech will kind of get up for one game. This has been the pattern for several years and they will just you know, poop their pants the next one. And then uh, they realize, oh gosh, well, we got to get going again. And then they'll get up for the next one maybe. So, but there's, you know, winning two in a row in big 12 play is just unheard of, at least in the Matt Wells era. And I don't know if Kingsbury did it, but a handful of times. Yeah. Uh, So that's another thing. Even if they win this weekend, then you kind of feel like, well, crap, that means 
Kansas State's going to come to town next week, and who knows? Who knows what will happen then? Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about the the Jayhawks then, Michael, briefly, because there's there's not much to say. I'm sorry. I I, I doubt we have any Kansas fans listening. I, I doubt there aren't a lot of people are going to be upset that we're going to have a very short Kansas preview. The game this weekend against one in four Kansas, 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. I was frustrated a little bit, Michael, about ESPN uh, today. And I was like, what am I paying for with ESPN Plus if I still have to be subscribed to them through a cable provider? Really? Yeah. Like you, you have to sign in with your, your ESPN Plus account. And then you have to sign in with your cable provider that, that you're, you're paying for access to ESPN because ESPN doesn't come with their normal package. It's like they're double dipping. They're, you're paying for the right to watch a game on your phone. Yeah, I thought, well, I thought I the cable provider thing meant that you could watch everything but ESPN plus specific content. And then the ESPN's plus specific content, you had to have the subscription for that. But you so have I to have may both. be misunderstanding that. You have to have both to get the ESPN plus I didn't content. No, you had to have both because I've never tried it with only having the ESPN plus account. I did not realize that. I thought if you just subscribed to ESPN plus, you could still watch, you know, Peyton's places and the 30 for thirties and anything that airs on ESPN plus, but you would not get ESPN U two one yeah. news, all that crap. Oh man. Well, anyways, that's come just, on Mickey, figure it out. Mickey mouse. They, they just want your money. Um, 3 PM. I, I, in the fall, I like this time slot. But it's, it's actually one. It's actually really inconvenient. <laughs> you think about like we have a lot of stuff happening on Saturday. I was like, like I'd either want this game in the morning or the night. Like 3 p.m. is not actually great. Anyways, 3 p.m. Lawrence, Kansas, one and four Jayhawks. They offense runs through their quarterback. And that's that sounds stupid to say that, but he is he's not only their 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 quarterback, he's their leading rusher. Um, he is their offense. Jason Bean uh, is from the Dallas area, Mansfield. Uh, it's actually right outside of Arlington. 6'3", 190. Not a great passer. 56% completion. 40%, 46% against Big 12 opponents. Uh, 852 yards on the year through five games, which is what, like 170 yards a game. Five touchdowns, three interceptions, 60 carries for 291 yards. Wow. Two touchdowns. So uh, they're running back. They're starting running back. Devin Neal, 5'11", 254 carries. So he and Bean carry just about the same amount for 264 yards. Not that far behind. Uh, just under five yards per carry. Two touchdowns. Which is crazy to think. Their quarterback has seven touchdowns total. And their leading running back has two touchdowns. Through five games, the majority of their offense has been nine touchdowns. Well, and, and you're going to get to it eventually, but the eventually Kansas the Kansas offense averages 149 yards rushing per game, it's which sounds bad. about normal. No, no. Um, the only th- reason I bring that up is because TCU's offense before Saturday averaged 197 yards per game which, hey, that's nothing to sneeze at. Tech allowed exactly double that. 
they allowed 394. So by law of averages and whatnot, Tech could potentially allow 300 yards of rushing to these two guys. We'll, we'll see who shows up on Saturday. I, I hope not, man. <laughs> They're two <laughs> leading receivers, Trevor Wilson, Kwame Lasseter. They combined for 33 catches and just about just over 500 yards. Uh, Wilson has 18 yards per catch. Lasseter has 13.1 yards. Both have a single touchdown. Um, nothing really to speak of on defense. Like they, they give up 245 yards passing at 9.9 yards per attempt. They get torched. They give up 250 on the ground at six yards per carry. And they give up 51% of their third down convert, like third down attempts on defense. They allow 51% conversion. Oof. Uh, Texas Tech throws for just under 303 yards per game at 9.5 yards per attempt. Again, if the defense is giving up more than your offense usually does, like you're going to get high, like your numbers are going to skew higher in this game. Um, so that yards per attempt, just crazy. They give up more yards per attempt, but fewer yards per game because nobody really has to throw the ball against Kansas. They're just running it. Uh, which is an old Texas Tech defensive feeling. Um, <laughs> Texas Tech, after giving up like 9,000 yards between Texas and TCU, giving up, average giving up 155 yards on the ground per game at four and a half yards per carry. Again, the Kansas defense, 250 on the ground for six yards per carry. Um, offensively, Kansas throws for 182 yards a game at just under eight yards per attempt and rush for 150 yards per game at 3.8 yards per carry. So as much as Bean and Neal run the ball, they're averaging fewer than four yards per carry. Their third down yeah. offense, atrocious, probably because they just have really long third downs, 31.5% conversion right there. Speaking of third downs, I wanted to share with you because I thought, well, this might be the best game to kind of look at a little bit closer. I looked at Kansas versus South South Dakota, which is their only win of the year. Kansas won 17-14, first game of the season. South Kansas Dakota was an 11-point favorite. Sorry. Yeah. Kansas was an 11-point favorite and, and won by three. So even then, their one win, they didn't cover. Kansas didn't get a first down until the second quarter. Um, their first one, two, three, four offensive possessions against South Dakota were three and outs. And so I just wanted to really quickly read the drive summary of their <laughs> offensive this is gonna uh, be outing versus in their win. So in Kansas's win, punt, 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 punt. Now I'm losing my place. Touchdown, halftime. That touchdown, seven plays, 37 yards. Yeah. So there must have been a big turnover there. Well, they, uh, there was a punt. Something. There had to be like a return, like a big return. Um, what was there? I don't know. It was just a terrible oh. punt. Maybe the punt got blocked. No, because they punted from their three. 
Oh, and it was I a see. short point. Was- they punted from their three. It was a 34 yard punt. Okay. Lasseter. Good gravy. Thanks, ESPN. Um, so now we come out after second half. Real quick. I'll go through this real quick. Mm-hmm. Second half. Field goal. Oh, Damn. Okay. Oh, hold on, though. Like, let's pause really quickly. That field goal drive, 13 plays, 50 yards. Yeah. That had to just been like grueling and just painful to watch. Okay. Field goal. Yeah. Down. Over six minutes. Six minutes, 10 seconds. To go 50 so, yards. Yeah. Field goal, downs, punt, downs, touchdown, which was the winning score. Uh, because they, it was three minutes, 56 seconds left when they scored that last touchdown. And then of course they, they end the game, I guess, in victory formation. So I just kind of wanted to bring that into the table. I, I, I'm not trying to railroad Kansas a lot because honestly, guys, I mean, we're just kind of hovering right above them. And depending on what happens Saturday, we may not be hovering above them anymore. We'll see. But, um, Matt Wells is and one against Kansas. <laughs> you're right. Because he was. He was sidelined with COVID in the one win. So you're, you're exactly right. He has yet to defeat Kansas. Had tip Rob Rowe for that, that, that stat. As the active head coach. Um, there was, I thought there was some other thing I wanted to throw out there. You know, I am a little worried because, because of that 0-1. Uh, I can't remember the, the receivers' names at Kansas, but... You know, these guys, Trevor Wilson and Kwame Lasseter, yes, you know, they don't have a lot of receptions, but when they do catch the ball, you know, Trevor Wilson's average in 18 yards a catch, Lasseter's average in 13. This is something that really bit tech in the top, in the hind end last time they were in Lawrence was they had a couple of receivers get like a hundred and something plus yards on them mm-hmm. on, on a very few catches. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be all alarmist and everything, but I just don't think Kansas is going to be a complete cakewalk. I say that, and then I'm looking at my score prediction going, well, my score prediction says it is, but let let me tell you why. Um, You've got the score predict, you know, up here. Texas Tech is favored as a 16 and a half favorite on the road. The over-under is 67. Uh, You've got... Showing here that the FPI favors Tech, and you mentioned it before, as to win the game 88%. And with the spread being 16 and a half, the, my first thought after this week was there is no way in hell that Texas Tech covers this spread. There's just no way. And so I have been so wrong on my picks, Spencer. So incredibly wrong on my, on my picks that I am going to do the opposite. And, and say that Tech will cover. Because otherwise I thought, okay, Tech's going to win, but it's going to be something like 34-27. Um, <sighs> but I'm changing that now, despite that's really kind of how I feel. <laughs> uh, and I know it's just because I have a bitter taste in my mouth. So I'm doing the opposite. I've got Tech covering, winning 41-24. And then um, hopefully it'll be a good road trip home and they get to prepare for Kansas State. And I wish they would release the kickoff times. I hate that every game six day is subject to that stupid six-day window. That yeah. just really drives me nuts because I want to go to that game, but we have some other stuff going. I've got my daughter's got her soccer game at three. I don't want to miss that if I don't have to. So anyway. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll get to this when we look ahead um, to the rest of the Big 12. 
the other seven teams that are playing this weekend, like every one of these games is a game that I would watch. And that's probably <laughs> why every, every been, every game has been a six day win six day window. Um, so like I said, at the beginning, you're not going to win this game. Even if you win this game, if you know what I mean, <laughs> like when you beat them and you should handily beat them, it's going to be like, well, it's Kansas. You should have, um, I've got it being quite a bit higher scoring than last year's game. I've got Texas tech winning. I've got Texas tech covering personally. I'd want to see this spread even bigger, but I've got tech winning 42, 17. Um, that's no field goals. Um, which I, I, that's weird to say the Texas tech won't kick a field goal because their offense has been so weird. Um, I just, I don't know. So 42, 17, 17, Texas tech wins by what's that? 25. I can do math really quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty, it's a pretty generous cover there. Um, it's going to be under the total of 67. Cause I just, I haven't seen a Texas tech offense put it on anybody. Oh man, I pushed on the 67. Go me. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I was looking at something else. Okay. Yeah. You're no, also under, under as well, but you're, you're yeah. just over the, the, the cover for Texas tech at 17 points. Yeah. I did the um, bare minimal because of, because of my track record. Well, and, and, and here's, here's the other thing I, I would remind everybody of Kansas is Oh, three and one against the spread this year. Not once covered. That's true. Um, they tied or pushed in that 27 point line against coastal Carolina and with like a weird backdoor cover too. It was like real late um, just to push everything else. So anyways, Texas tech wins. Um, if they lose like, I, I don't know if it happens on Sunday or Monday or just, but Matt Wells will not be returning as the head coach in 2022. If they yeah. lose. Yeah, guys, w- win or lose, you can join us approximately 30 minutes after the game this Sunday, Saturday, <laughs> not Sunday. They don't play on Sunday. But anyway, you can join us this Saturday, Spotify Green Room. It's a free audio only social media platform for sports fans. You can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. You can talk with other fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. You can join in on conversations with me and, and have a chance to be featured on the 23 personnel podcast, which we would definitely feature you guys. Whenever y'all have a hot take, you can um, ask to be brought up to the stage and we will let you share that take with everybody. Uh, we will be hosting rooms every week about 30 minutes after kickoff kickoff, man, I am nailing this 30 minutes after the end of the game, come and talk with us live. Uh, Definitely follow Spencer on the Green Room app. Uh, he's at Spencer Rogers. You need to download the app. You can download it free at iOS or Google Play. Create a profile. Uh, you could follow me as well, you can, Michael McDonald. But uh, Spencer usually starts the group, so definitely follow him, and you'll be notified when we go live. Show up with them spicy takes. All right, let's look around the rest of the Big Twelve. Um, like I said, the other seven teams that are playing. These are games I would watch Oklahoma state at Texas, 
Texas is a five and a half point favorite. Um, I don't know about that one. Uh, Oklahoma State's looked shaky to begin the season. Texas may be bouncing back after a, an emotional loss there where they <laughs> gave up the winning touchdown with three seconds to go. Um, yeah. In a game where they had a 21-point lead and had a three-score lead late. Um, and as much as we 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 complain about Texas Tech giving up big big leads, man, just think about being a Longhorn fan giving up a 21-point lead to the Sooners like yeah, their bitter rival <laughs> and I get that it's Sark's first year but Texas is a uh, five and a half point favorite at home Baylor hosting BYU BYU recently lost this past week uh, against who they play somebody it wasn't Utah was it no they no they beat Utah earlier I'm gonna look it up while you're Anyways, um, Baylor's Boise State. Boise State. Baylor's a six-point favorite here. Um, one Baylor did something to West Virginia a couple weeks ago. It was it was forty-five twenty. It was sun. It was Saturday. That that was something I wanted to bring up too. And I mentioned on the instant reaction was back when we were talking about well, how do we feel about our four-two record? You know, I came in thinking that. West Virginia wasn't that great this season and I was right. Uh, but I probably underestimated Baylor and then I may have even still overestimated West overestimated West Virginia. So that win in Morgantown is kind of looking less boastful as the weeks go by. So yeah. I, you know, going off these two lines, um, my instinct would be to pick UT to cover at home at minus five and a half. So that means I should probably pick Oklahoma state. And then my instinct would be to pick BYU to cover in Waco at plus six, but I'll, I should probably take Baylor, I guess I'm, I'm totally going to go the opposite this week. I'm going to take Kyle's advice and completely go the opposite. So are, are we fading Michael here? Is that what that means? I never even understood what, yeah, just, just fade, (laughs) fade me, I guess. I don't know. TCU in Norman at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a 10 and a half point favorite. These are as of the 12th. Uh, I, I, I don't, I still don't think TCU is a good defense. I don't know about the, Oklahoma defense after what they just gave up to Texas, but they were good enough to get the win. But well, who's playing quarterback in Norman? I would assume Williams. I guess. I don't know. I give me TCU to cover that one, but maybe lose still. I, I would normally agree with that, but because I'm going opposite, I'm going to OU minus 10 and a half. Farmageddon, Iowa state, a touchdown uh. favorite on the road at Kansas state. Um, going back to my days that the, the preseason show I jumped on with the Bosco's boys did not realize the hatred that is shared between these two fan bases. Like as even as a big 12 opponent, I did not realize the vitriol that like just flows. I I'm still trying to fully grasp it but it is intense and it is real 
and it sure is fun to watch from afar. It, it's a fun rivalry to just kind of be not necessarily a part of, but be uh, in the same vicinity of to be in the neighborhood, you know, just cause we're in the same conference. That's, that's a cool thing to keep an eye on because, you know, tech's got to play those two teams later this year. So it's always fun to watch those games, but yeah, I, I like, I like the aspect of this and I like Kansas state and I would normally pick Kansas state at plus six and a half, but no, I guess I'm going, going cyclones this week. So to keep on with the opposites, I'm taking Kansas state to cover that. Mm-hmm. May still lose, but give me give me a closer game. I may see if we can get Scott on the show next week. Uh, to oh, I to, hope he I hope he comes on. I'd to love help, to talk to Scott to help preview the Kansas State Wildcats, but also just to get a little insight, win or lose, like what what this game means. Like, you might need to be careful if if it's win. <laughs> if they win in Manhattan on Saturday, we should bring it up as much as possible. If they lose, maybe we maybe we kind of gloss over it. <laughs> Because if it means that much, man, I don't know if I'd want to go on another person's podcast more. and be like, "Hey, so uh, how was how was dropping seventy in Austin last weekend?" Oh, screw yeah. you! Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good to be here. It's good to be here to talk about the Mountaineers. Hey, game thanks for up. having me on. <laughs> you guys suck. No, so one Scott does a great job. Go listen to Bosco's boys. They do a live show every Wednesday night over on Spotify Green Room. They're much better about using that than we are. And I think they, it's use they may seven p.m. Yeah, I think it's yeah. seven nights at Wednesday nights at seven. Um, yes. If you follow the Bosco's boys on Twitter, obviously you'll get notified. Or if you just follow, follow Scott McFarland on Green Room, you'll be notified when he goes live. But they do. Um, he's got like, like this open mic. Basically, he, he brings in all of the like his stage, as we call it for on Spotify Green Room. It's full, and they just go round robin talking about everything. All it's kinds great. Of, I, what does he call his guys? The boneheads boneheads. Yeah. And then I also love how many of their koozies they've been able to get yes. their fans. If you follow their Twitter, in the account, wild, the, the, the Bosco's boys in the wild or koozies in the wild. It's always a picture of a Kansas state fan with a drink and yes. one of their koozies. I love um, that. It's great. So like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out to Scott. So see if we can do a crossover or something next week. Uh, and and get a, a proper preview of the Wildcats, but give me them to cover six and a half this weekend in Farmageddon. All right, Michael, let's uh let's get to some of our questions. After I asked what 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 some of you guys were thinking, uh, what you want to see this weekend, um, and if your thoughts and perspective had changed on this season. So let's go ahead and do that now. Now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right. So... I said tonight we'll put the TCU game behind us and move on to preview the Jayhawks. What do you guys want to see this weekend from the Red Raiders? And did Saturday night change your perspective on how this season goes? Kyle said Kyle Lang at sports underscore Kyle Lang tech wins 49, 24. So pretty close to what we predicted. Just a few more points. 
which is okay as long as Texas Tech is still winning. Kansas is one-dimensional. They absolutely are. And Tech seems to bounce back from poor performance as well. Given the up-and-down nature of the program, what are your thoughts? Again, going back to the up one week, down the next. What are your thoughts on the Wells era? Is 6-7 and seven with a bull loss enough for him to stay? So I know that a lot of people set the baseline, the threshold for him coming back in 2022 as a bowl game and saying that's progress. Yes, you did win more games than you did in 2020, but you played more games than you did in 2020. You could have been a six win team last year. Had you played two more non-conference games? Um, so saying that you won more games this year than last year really doesn't move the needle for me because I would expect you to win your non-conference games. So last year, I'm just assuming with a full schedule, you were six and six without changing any of the, the results from the rest of the season that you did play. Um, so doing, I don't know. It, it's weird because you didn't go to a bowl game last year and you, you could have with the weird rules and the changing of the bowl eligibility. Um, so going to a bowl game this year would be the first in the Wells era. Um, I just, there have been so many questions that have come up with decision-making and so far it's been last year, right? You haven't seen something this year and be like, what were you doing? Or what were you thinking? Maybe here or there, there's been one, one thing you're like, well, why didn't you do that? But there hadn't been any glaring issues like, the Iowa state game last year where you obviously gave up before half, you had so much time and you just ran out the clock um, before half. And then that the field goal attempt on second down in Fort worth will always haunt me for just, just being a terrible call. Um, so six and seven with the bowl lost enough for him to stay. I would say no from me, Michael, what about you? What do you think? I would say for Hokut, yes, because we've seen that. I mean, Kingsbury did that exact same thing, laying an egg against USF and then came back. Of course, I mean, contracts was probably a little bit different. That was his, I think, fifth year heading into his sixth. But the the issue... What do we learn, Palmer? So sorry. Didn't mean to cut no, you No, you're off. good. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um I think the issue with me. <sighs> right. It's, it's not really <laughs> enough for him to stay, but I think there's a lot of promise with Cumby. Um, I'd hate to lose him. I I've been pleasantly surprised with him. I was very skeptical with when he got hired. I was not impressed with what TCU had been able to do offensively for several years, really, uh, aside from, you know, lucking into some really good athletes. But I feel like he's been a really bright spot, especially now that he's playing with, you know, some a, a depleted set of receivers. He's, he's on his second string quarterback right now, really making use of the tight ends, which we can't sing enough praises about. Um, something else we need to mention this week, Spencer, just randomly coming to my head, maybe Taj Brooks comes back. Uh, takes advantage of that 
you know, Kansas defense that allows 250 yards rushing per game, this would be a good game to get Taj Brooks back in to the rotation. So, you know, I may be on the, not that I would enjoy it. <sighs> I, okay. Not to be that guy that changes your question, Kyle, but you asked a six and seven with the bowl loss enough for him to stay. I'm going to reword it and say, it's not enough for him to be fired. I'll say, I'll say that. Okay. Ugh. Gosh, what a non-answer. Sorry, man. Well, so I think for me, it goes back to the, the, the sentence or the question right before that. Right. So he says, given the up and down nature of the program, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah. The fact that we're not, I mean, on offense, we're seeing some improvement, right? But that's after he was basically forced to fire his buddy and bring in another OC. Like this was not a Wells decision. The, so I, I have a hard time giving him credit for the offensive improvement that we're seeing because I don't think it would have been, I don't think he would have made that move had Hoka not stepped in and done it for him essentially. Defense. I, I don't know if he can pull a Tom Herman and fire Patterson and survive that. No, now, I think now Herman I think did linked this, at this point. Herman did it the same season. Like he fired everybody except for himself <laughs> and it lasted him another nine months. Um, you gotta, yeah, but he got a lot of, a lot of money out of the university of Texas for those nine months and then his buyout. Um, it is the up and down nature that I think speaks more than the overall six and seven. Cause like I said, I think you could have been six and six last year had you played a full schedule. Uh, it's that you're not seeing consistent improvement across the yep. board. Like you're, you're in year three of a defensive coordinator getting pushed around by teams that you should be able to, and, and, and you're not seeing the adjustments that you were, or that you would expect to see. It's, it's the inconsistency. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I can't let this go. Okay. So let's, let's do a couple six and seven scenarios. So right now we're at four and two. So we need to ruin two more, obviously. So let's, let's pretend tech beats Kansas and then they beat Kansas state the following week. And then they lose four in a row and lose the bowl game. So five in a row. So that might not be enough for me. I think I would feel like, okay, I, that's it. Let's, let's call it quits there. If they go six and seven and in that six and seven, it includes five in a row losing to end the year. I'm done. I think I'd be done at that point. Now, if, if they beat Kansas, they lose to Kansas state. They don't win another game until Baylor, but they beat Baylor. Um, so then that would put him at six and six and then they lose the bowl game for some reason. I think I could stomach that better because that at least the Baylor game that would be in Waco Baylor's, you know, showing to be pretty decent if they pull off a win against Baylor to become bowl eligible. And then you're going to see what we saw when tech beat UT in Austin to become bowl eligible. You know, you're going to see that kind of, goodwill carry over from Hocut and from others like, well, Hey, I mean, big game, a lot on the line had to win this game to go to a bowl. And they did. And then they promptly lost the bowl game. But I think that scenario I could stomach better than 
going, um, you know, losing the last five games of the year, including the bowl game. Yeah. I, I think you can, if that sixth win comes after Kansas state, any of those teams, I think you can probably say, I feel pretty good about getting that win, whether it's like I said, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Iowa state, Baylor, a win against any of those four teams. You're like, well, I actually feel pretty good about that. Even if you lose four of your last six. Yeah. Just as long as they're not in a row. (laughs) And then the bowl game, like it's an exhibition game. It really shouldn't matter. Like the season is six and six. You lost a bowl game. So what? But a six and six bowl team, a power five, six and six team, you're going to be playing like a group of five and like losing to a group of five in a bowl game is, is also embarrassing. It shouldn't, the decision to, to retain or fire your coach shouldn't be held on how you do in a bowl game. I don't think. I agree. But I it's also like going to be hard to go was, up and then like play like, like a South Florida and, and not South Florida because they're not going to make a bowl this year, but a team like that or Tulane or Memphis and then get drubbed by them. You're like, well, <laughs> like it's going to immediately call back into question. Should we have kept Wells? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's that's the thing. If if you're firing someone before the bowl game, then things went really poorly. And if you're firing them afterwards, uh, things may have gone even worse. I don't know. I'm not really quite sure. This was this was a lot of good thought exercises, Kyle. Thanks for bringing it's a good all question. This up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I I for sure like the the part where he says Texas Tech wins 49-24. I like that part. Yeah, yeah. That that I think we're you know I, I think that's a little high for me. It's a lie for me. The, the, they haven't scored 40 points yet, have they? Yes. Florida International. They scored 50. 50. That was the first time they'd scored 50, 50. points in a, in a win since 2018. 18. Houston. Houston, they put up 69. Nice. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Steve underscore O. This game will prove nothing unless we lose. Then watch out. He's dead on. I'm, I'm with and you there, Steve. You mentioned that too, Spencer. Yeah, you're, you're dead on, Steve-O. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with what we learned. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's one other question. Oh, I didn't see it then. Okay, I've, I've got it. Um, Red Raider check, BHHTTU2000. He said, yes, this is two games where the teams have elbowed us in between the shoulder blades with the run. Season over. Might get KU this weekend, but other than that, no more wins. So Red Raider check is not, not feeling it aside from possibly beating KU this weekend. And yeah, the run that's just brutal to watch. Isn't it, man? It's just brutal to see that type of offense just completely do whatever they want to you the rest of the day. I mean, getting passed all over, we've experienced that too. That stinks, but it, it's at least almost entertaining. <laughs> but just watching a running back just, you know, plow through your secondary every time they get handed the ball, that's not entertaining. That's just kind of a slow torture. Yeah, if 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 you give up 200 yards on the ground this week into Kansas, that's going to be rough. Yeah. Even if you, I could see it happening. I could see it happening even if they win because 
tech will let off the gas. If tech gets up 14, 17 or whatever, they're probably going to let off the gas. That's just their nature. And Kansas will have like randomly 10 points or 13 in the fourth quarter or something crazy. And anyway, it, I could see it. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up with what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. As usual, I'm having all kinds of issues tonight. It's unbelievable that I can't hit the buttons at the right time. Here we are. What do we learn? Michael, you are going through preparing to watch the last James Bond movie. I, I have done it. You've done it. You've I have seen com- it. I've completed. I have completed my prep. This is the update bond update. I have finished Skyfall. I have finished Spectre and I have a ticket to go see no time to die tomorrow night, Wednesday night. No, pretty excited about it. Did you know this little tidbit Spencer? Now I know that you like soundtracks and orchestral music as much as the next guy, which is me, which is quite a bit. Do you like Hans Zimmer? My absolute favorite. Guess who's scoring No Time to Die. Okay, so just go ahead and give me the, the soundtrack then. <laughs> That's right. This movie's going to be fantastic. Does that move the needle at all? Because Yep, absolutely does. In, in re-watching these, I think Thomas Newman did uh, two of them. But in re-watching these, I who's, forgot. Who's good too. He did Shawshank Redemption, everybody. Let's not oh, forget yeah. that. Oh, no. he's <laughs> No, he, his scores were great, especially his opening score in Spectre. That whole opening sequence uh, for uh, on Dia de los Muertos. That's just a really cool way to to use the Bond theme. But that's something I realized that I've talked about Star Wars before and how much the John Williams score and everything has has left an impact on me. To where if I hear the Force theme, I'm immediately like, I can't talk, I can't talk. Uh, but anyway, like the throne room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. Um, but the Luke and Leia theme, oh man, or I guess Leia's theme more, more adequately, but the, the whole thing with the bond movies, I never, I always liked the music and it kind of put it together, but watching so many of them consecutively, there's certain cues they do where you're going, Oh crap. James Bond's coming through that door. Cause you, you know it. You know that, or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you just know it's coming. Gosh, that was awful. (laughs) But um, that made me appreciate these movies even more, going back and rewatching these and realizing how much I enjoyed the music, how much it means to me, how much, you know, it kind of emotionally calls back to all the movies I've watched and how much my dad liked them and all that kind of stuff. So just to review the, the last two quickly, Skyfall, was really good. It was like the first time I've probably ever been emotional in a bond movie at the end in the chapel. No spoilers. If people are trying to keep spoilers out of a nine year old movie, but that one was fun. I really like it. I kind of like the old school throwback to basically kind of a grown up home alone thing at the end where they're setting the booby traps in the house. And, um, I, you know, the the DB five showing up is completely a South Park kind of hey remember remember this this thing's fun 
you like this, right? And yes, I do. I love it. Bring the DB5 back, which leads me to Spectre because they did. He drove off in, in that same DB5 at the end of it. Spectre's kind of wild. Um, Blowfield is, his motivation is weird. Uh, Batista, I forgot he was in that one. Awesome. He says one word and it's a poorly dubbed shoot. And that's what it is. Cause it looks like they had him say the actual curse word. I'm trying to keep it PG cause I was not able to on Saturday, but it looks like they had him actually say S H I T, but for whatever reason they dubbed it over with shoot and it just looks really terrible. He was awesome, even though he will not be in <laughs> no time to die. But uh, yeah, Spectre was fine. It was okay. I really like Ralph Fiennes. I like that there were scenes with Moriarty and Voldemort together. That's a lot of fun to just kind of think about in a meta sense. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about this movie. I've heard a lot of good things about it, namely from my mom and her friends who went to see it on Saturday. <laughs> All right. So because you, you brought up Hans Zimmer, uh, I just, just for those that are un- unaware that don't pay as much attention to soundtracks as, as maybe you and I do. Um, since the eighties, when he started scoring films, he's done 150 movies. Some of what those, Go, go ahead. Uh, sorry. I'll, you go I'll, ahead. You I was going to run through a list of all the movies, not all the movies. Uh, s- some of the biggest ones that you'd recognize interstellar inception, uh, the Nolan dark Knight, Batman movies. You know, all of yeah, those. He loves, he's worked with Christopher Nolan on most of his movies. I mm-hmm. think Dunkirk man of steel, Pearl Harbor, the Da Vinci code, the holiday. The man's got some, 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 reach there. He does romantic comedies too. Y'all go back and listen to, okay, the man of steel. You can say what you want about the movie. I, uh, I was fine with it, but of course I liked the other Superman too. Um, I was definitely in the minority there. I think Brandon Ruth, Ruth. Anyway, you want to hear Hans Zimmer kick some butt and I hope that he actually scored this, but the trailer for man of steel like the last 30 seconds or 45 seconds is just incredible. Incredible music. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to look that up now for later <laughs> to watch this later. Um, Chappie Rango. He's on animated movies, Lion King, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, wow. Sherlock Holmes, Rain Man, Last Samurai, Black Hawk Down, Tears of the Sun, Broken Arrow, Angels and Demons. Um, Backdraft, The Rock, Thin Red Line, <laughs> um, Mission Impossible 2, Driving Hang on real Miss quick. Davey, Daisy. I was about to say that because <laughs> I was about to ask you if he did Driving Miss Daisy because I think he did. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember, because that was a movie my parents loved, so it was on TV a lot growing up. I, re- I still remember the music. Um, I always liked it, and I just always thought it was really good. There's a lot of clarinet, I think, in there. Anyway, it was, um, even as a kid, I was like, this, I like this. I like how this sounds as a band nerd, but it was, it was Hans. It was our buddy Hans before I even knew who he was. So it totally makes sense. Um, he did, uh, hold on. What was it? 
Crimson Tide. For some reason, I, I was getting that confused with The Hunt for the Red October. Did not do that one. No, I don't That's, know who did that one. I feel like I should. I, I can't. It sounds like a Horner. Was that, was that Basil, Horner maybe? No, it was Basil Basil Pelodorus. Oh, he did Lonesome Dove too. And uh, Quigley mm. Down Under and I think Conan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was fantastic. I have the Lonesome Dove soundtrack just because I love that show so much. But the music's a big part of why. And if, if you listen to that music and you watch Quigley Down Under, you're going to go, oh yeah, this is almost the same soundtrack. <laughs> you basically yeah. kind of copy pasted. Anyway, so Hans Zimmer, I, that, that's what we learned this week. We, we just, we have an appreciation for the man and his work scoring movies. Cause a good soundtrack, man, really, yeah. really makes a movie. Makes a big difference. I can't wait to see what he did, what he did with all the bond themes. Yeah, for sure. That'll do it this week for us on the 23 personnel podcast. Catch us this weekend. As always, give our post game instant reaction to Kansas game for Michael. I'm Spencer. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Fly.